0: We're sisters, best friends, and authors on a mission to help you stoke your creative fire and live the life of your dreams. We believe that purpose fuels passion and that creativity is your secret weapon for mass construction. There's never been a better time to bless the world with your dream realized. You're listening to The Kate and Abby Show. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of The Kate and Abby Show. Today's episode is kind of special as we are coming to the end of the year. This is the last podcast episode of the year. So Crazy. Kate and I thought that we would do something kind of fun and special for this last episode of the year and do a Q&A with you guys. So a couple days ago, I posted a post in my community on YouTube and asked you guys for your questions and tons of questions came in and Kate and I are super excited to dive into those questions and we're going to answer as many as we can. Um, So stay tuned. If you asked a question in that post, we may get to it today. And we thought this would just be a fun way to celebrate the closing of the year as Mm -hmm. we come up on the holiday season and just have some great writing chat. Yeah. You guys asked a lot of good questions. So we're gonna try to get to as many
1: as possible and just delve into some cool thoughts and hopefully good answers to your questions about writing, creative writing, publishing, and
0: your path forward in your writing career. Sounds great. So let's let's dive right into it. So first question, what advice would you give to your younger selves when you first started writing? And my second one is, what was your first full-length project And what do you think of it now? Mm. So I thought this would be a fun way to start is like kind of going into the past. Yeah. A little glance into our writing pasts. So the first question first, what advice would you give to your younger self when you first started writing?
1: I think that would be to just slow down and enjoy Mm. the journey. Don't stress so much about where it's going and what it needs to be.
0: Mm. Yeah. I agree. I my advice to my younger self would be to just write. <laughs> just write, 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 practice a lot, enjoy the process, and don't like you said, don't stress too much about like what, you know, your expectations are for a particular project because so much of what you write is going to be practice. And that's not a bleak thing to look at a book as like, this was just to gain experience writing. That's a great thing. That's a beautiful thing. And maybe you'll even do something with that book someday, but maybe not. And even if you don't publish it, it was still a like great experience right. to gain through writing. So my advice would be just to keep writing, write as much as possible and let it come from a place of joy.
1: Yeah, and be proud of all of that. You know, Be proud of every moment that you're writing. Because, like Abby was saying, don't be um, don't be afraid of the practice element of writing. Yeah. When you think of any um, sport, for example, look at um, you know a professional basketball player, for example, like how many times they had to just mess up over and over again and just. You know, learn how to do things, practice what they were doing in order to get really good at their sport. Mm -hmm. Now that's real. We look at sports and we're like, well, of course, of course, Mm -hmm. all that practice time had to go into it. But yet with something like writing, it's harder for us to see that we expect to be perfect on the first try. But yeah, that's kind of silly because it's so easy for us to see in other areas, like other professions, like, well, yeah, of course, all of that practice time would need to go in. To help make that person better and stronger and more confident. Well, the same thing mm. goes for writing and any type Very of art. True. It's you know finding your footing. Yeah. And um, your what is your opinion on your first full length project? What do you think of it now? I I love looking back at my old work because mm. it's like it's warm and cozy and you get to see like what you where you were at at that time. It's mm. this cool snapshot of what your energy was. Um very nostalgic.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think even though you've grown a lot through your writing process and you have improved, it's still good to look back. Like I look back at my first full length novels and I'm like, man, I've learned so much (laughs) over the years, but there's still like something really sacred and beautiful in that, Mm. that you first, that you had to you know, have the courage to take that first step. So yeah, honor all of it, you know, it's all good. Yeah, I love that. So true. Uh, Next question. How do you weave in character descriptions into the story without slowing down the plot? Mm -hmm. This is something that I see a lot of writers ask this question. My favorite way to do this is to tie character descriptions into action whenever possible so that you're not hitting pause on the story to go into a big, long character description. Mm -hmm. Um, This is something you and I do a lot in our writing is... um, Tagging on some sort of action with whatever the description is. So maybe you're trying to describe somebody's hair color, or eye color. Um, you can use actions to describe those things. Like you know, she walked into the room as she pulled her frizzy long hair into a bun on top of her head. Okay, so those are a little bit of a little bit of action and a little bit of description mm. mixed in. Or you know she she looked at me her her blue eyes sparkling whatever the case may be you have these opportunities to weave in little bits of description without hitting pause and going to a huge long paragraph about the character's description Mm. so
1: that would probably be a fun idea for an episode to so let let us know you guys if that's something you'd like to see where maybe we do like we've done in the past like some side-by-side examples of like you could do it like this or you could do it like this and make it a bit quicker like that might be that might be something fun to try going into the new year i i I agree 100 percent. it's finding those opportunities where Mm -hmm. you can just add it in and still you're keeping in step with the pacing Mm -hmm. Um, the next question is, hi, Kate and Abby. So you talk a lot about characters' misbelief and how it stems from something in their past. How would you go about finding your characters' misbelief if the character lost all their memories at the start of the book? Mm. I, I feel like you could answer this one really well because you actually talked about this in your analysis you did of um, yeah. strong female characters when you talked about um, Captain the, the Marvel. Amnesia, yeah. And then then you brought up Anastasia as a really good example right. of the story that where you can take the amnesia yes. thing but make it very interesting very um really sinking into what the character's trying to accomplish what their conflict is even though they don't remember
0: yeah exactly it's it's so true and um yeah because with the amnesia trope you sometimes have this opportunity of like oh well they they like don't know anything about themselves so there's nothing to work with here but that alone can create a lot of internal conflict. And like Kate said, referencing the Anastasia example, Anastasia is a great example of a character who has really good internal conflict because of her amnesia. Like that's what that's what spurs her internal conflict. That's what spurs her desire to go find her family, find out what happened, where she came from, who she belongs to and her fear that there's nobody out there for her. So there's like this push pull already um, between The desire and the fear and that creates internal conflict. So I would say for your character, find ways to make it more character-driven and less plot-driven. So even though they can't remember what happened to them, make them an active character. Maybe she is actively seeking out what her past is, what trying to learn where she came from. Or maybe she finds clues um, about the past and is trying to piece them together and find the answer. There are so many ways to make your character even if they're have suffering from amnesia have deep layers of beliefs and conflicts even though they can't remember their past so i'd say dig deeper into that um next question happy holiday season to you guys my question is how do you pace stories well so that it isn't rushed i always struggle with this because i tend to go a little bit quick in progressing the story and don't always take enough time for each plot how can i improve on this Mm -hmm. Yeah, this can be an interesting, like, it's a bit
1: of a balancing act when you have it sounds like you're working with some multiple, like, side plots in conjunction with your main plot line. So, really, just finding moments to progress those side plots without, like, bringing the main plot to a screeching Mm -hmm. halt. So, think about, and this is actually something I worked with in a, a novel I just finished writing over the summer. Um, is how does it tie into the main plot? Because that can really help you spend time, a little bit of time on everything without stopping that main plot from moving forward. So maybe it's that, you know, how those sub-characters are relating to the main character. Maybe the main conflict ties into
0: some of these side conflicts. So they're all sort of playing off of each other. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And that's something that you, in some cases... In some scenes you can like progress multiple plots at the same time Mm. because you have multiple things happening and really all these plots are is actions and consequences of your side characters decisions Mm. or decisions that your main character is making on the side so not in regards to their main plot but in regards to a subplot Um, so those actions and consequences create the plot. That's really what it is. And that's what makes your characters active rather than passive. It's not just things happening to them. It's not just life bumping into them. They're actually making choices based on the punches of the plot. And those reactions have a ripple effect on all the other characters and all the other, um, elements of your story. So yeah, what I, what I find helpful is like to make like a bullet point outline sometimes of like what's happening with this character on the side this mm. side character what yeah. are they going to do and how are their actions going to conflict and bump into the main character's actions and cause conflicts the next question is do i really have to follow a structure the answer is no. You don't have to follow a structure for sure. There are so many different ways to write a successful, riveting story and not all of them include following a particular structure. I talk about the three-act story structure a lot on my channel and I think it's a great formula if you have like no idea where to begin and if you feel like you need a sense of direction down this path of your story. But I have written many stories where I don't reference that structure. I just pay attention to making sure that the characters are always driven by their internal conflict and checking in with their motivations throughout the story, making sure that you are checking in and making sure that these characters still have active goals. They have active fears. They have beliefs that are deeply rooted in their pasts. And as long as you have that, you will continue to have this cause and effect flow to your character's journey and I just always like to keep in mind you know the golden rule of this is about the character's transformation Mm -hmm. it's just about how these characters change over the course of the story and no matter how big or small that might be right yeah it doesn't have to be something big or exciting or thrilling um it can be something very small
1: right This is a question that got me thinking after watching you and your sister's podcast. When writing a collaborative book with a planner and a pantser, are there any serious issues that make it impossible to create a book together? Or do you believe that it's possible? I'm asking because my friend, a planner, wants to create a book with me, a pantser. Is it possible? Can you give me some tips so that the writing process can go smoothly? So it's definitely possible. We're actually three books into our delightful series that we hope to soon, (laughs) perhaps next year, share with all of you guys. So it's a really fun process. And I think the differences in our writing style is actually part of what makes the process fun and interesting. Yeah. I think if we were both very similar in our writing styles and in our writing methods, it would actually be a less fun process. I yeah. feel like we would actually butt heads more <laughs> yeah. if we were both like, oh, we're both planning. I think that would actually be more difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Because as it is now, Abby and I really work together based off of what is our all right. What is my strength? What is the you know unique thing I can bring to the table? And then the unique unique strength Abby can bring to the table is completely different, and they work really well together.
0: Yeah, I agree. And and so finding those strengths is a really important element mm-hmm. um, and even openly discussing those right. strengths and like open communication is like the most important Definitely. aspect of this of working with any co-writer um but i would say for as speaking from the point of view of a pants a uh, plotter <laughs> a planner intense <laughs> planner um I try to just keep my mind very open to new ideas. And if I have a certain idea for a plot or a subplot or something and I think it's really cool, I'll write it down, I'll develop it a little bit and then I'll present it to Katie and we'll discuss it and brainstorm it. But I try not to be too tight-fisted with my ideas. So that would be the advice I would give Mm. to a planner in the the partnership is don't be too tight-fisted with your ideas. It's okay if some of those ideas, you can find compromises on them or maybe save them for another book entirely like it you don't have to use all the ideas that you have right. so compromise and communicate with your co-writer
1: what we've found kind of and i feel like you would probably agree here is that a lot of times when we bring our both of our ideas to a brainstorming session what ends up being the final product is actually like a hybrid of both of our ideas it's not really mine it's not really abby's it's like this unique mix that never would have happened if we hadn't come together with those ideas in the way that we did So like Abby was saying, being really open and communicative with your co-writer, realizing this isn't a process that you're doing by yourself. You're not spending loads of time just having a brainstorming session with yourself and then becoming really attached to your own ideas and then getting really upset when perhaps your co-writer isn't on board 100% like have those brainstorming sessions together. As soon as you get an idea, start propagating that with your co-writer. Oh, hey, I just had this idea. What do you think of this? And start bouncing ideas off of each other so that it doesn't become like your pet idea. It becomes something that's both of yours right off the bat. I think that's something that we do a lot, especially because we're always around each other. So we're always just in communication anyway. But even if you're not, you know, nearby this other person that you're co-writing with you can you know be on the phone with them or be on email with them or on a zoom call and have these types of discussions it's really helpful Hmm. um here's a good question for you abby when you're writing a contemporary
0: how do you know when it's too much fluff or just going on for too long yeah, that can be that can definitely be a tricky thing to encounter with contemporary because you sometimes get into like the little aspects of what's happening and you enjoy writing the fluff. I enjoy writing fluff. <laughs> but my advice would be to bring the conflict even into the fluff. See where you can sprinkle in something a little bit meatier into what's happening here. Um, and an example that immediately springs to mind is a scene several scenes from my Christmas sequel to 100 Days of Sunlight. So I'm specifically thinking of the scene where there's like this sequence where Tessa and Weston go out on this date together. They go to a hockey game, they go to a bookstore. It's just like cute, kind of romantic fluff. They're buying books for each other for Christmas. Very cute scene, but... In the midst of that scene, we have Tessa's internal conflict because she's thinking in the back of her mind about how she's part of the reason why she even went on this date was to kind of avoid her mother because she's having issues with her mom at home. And so there's like this deeper underlying conflict for her. So in the back of her mind during this whole cute fluffy sequence, she's thinking about how she feels kind of guilty for the, her reasons for even being here, for what's happening mm-hmm. between her and her mom. So, even between the fluffy, cute moments, we have like these sprinkles of like deeper internal conflict. Mm-hmm. So, I would say look for places in your story like that where even though something fluffy is happening, it's not meaningless because you right. have like a reason why it happened. And then in the back of your protagonist's mind, they're silently dealing with this unspoken issue you're kind of delving into the feelings behind
1: it right go into the feelings Uh how much influence has your homeschooling had on developing your writing um do you think it would have turned out differently if you went to regular schools with a stricter schedule homeschooling and i think abby would probably agree here too but for me homeschooling was the single biggest thing that influenced my entire life and my writing career absolutely um Me and Abby were homeschooled by two artist parents in Vermont and we had lots of time given to us in our daily schedule to delve into our creative writing and any other creative projects we we wanted to work on. So that was a part, that was a mandatory part of our daily curriculum among all the other subjects. We were given ample time to creatively write and having that freedom of being able to move the schedule around based on when we were feeling that creative inspiration, having our mom be like, hey, if you wanna write right now, you can take time to write right now. That was like invaluable. And, and having that space where not only were you encouraged to create, but you were given like this safe, welcoming space to create, mm. that was what really allowed those early um, sparks of creativity in me to really develop.
0: Yeah, I agree. I, I echo that 100% for, for me too. And one other thing it's, that I've seen in it is that it helped to make me feel more like creativity and, and writing and reading is something that, um, is fun. (laughs) It's Mm -hmm. like, it's, it's an enjoyable activity and it's something that I love. And I think that love is nurtured through the freedom to create, like you were saying, and Mm -hmm. not through like, well, this is the time of day that you have to write, you know, this many words for this paper or whatever. Like it was, it was, An enjoyable experience for both of us because we had a natural inclination towards it and a talent for it and wanted to nurture that talent. And that I think is the most wonderful gift that you can give any child, Mm. any person, (laughs) is the freedom and the inspiration to create in their own time. And you'll find that what you are naturally gifted at and what you have been given a talent for, you gravitate towards Mm. and if you just nurture that it will become like this active thing in your life
1: yeah absolutely so so like there was that total shift from it being something we were like forced to do for a certain amount of time to this really fun thing that we like couldn't wait to do and um our mom particularly always read to us she made reading like the most fun enjoyable thing and i think that was part of why we fell in love with books was that element as well
0: uh next question how to give each character a different vibe personality backstory and flaws etc this one got a lot of upvotes (laughs) i know a lot of writers are wondering Mm. how to make your characters feel different kate and i have done a few podcasts where we've talked about this Mm. specifically yeah character Um,
1: voice kind of which i mean it's it's kind of going beyond voice like how to make them unique Mm. as a character themselves but that that's really where their voice is coming from too right
0: Yeah. Like starting with the personality thing is what I I would say is like the best first stepping stone for this is like, what is their personality and making sure that they all have something a little bit different about their personality. You could use a personality typing system like the Enneagram to help you out with this Um, is a great starting point because already you have nine very distinct personality types. They all have different desires and fears, but beyond that, you can start to shape these characters based on their pasts based on what I like to call the WWW rule, which is their weapon, their weakness, and their want. So something that they desire in life or their greatest strength and their greatest weakness. So those three things alone can kind of create this really layered, complex person that from there you can start to build on with more layers of like what are their hobbies, their interests, their you know style, where they come from, who they've grown up around, um, what they do for a living. All of those things shape their voice, shape how they carry themselves, how they behave. Um, So yeah, you can just go deeper into all of these things. I would highly recommend checking out my video on the Ultimate Character Profile because I dive deep into it in that video. And I also just did a live training recently on advanced character creation that you might want to check out. We will leave the links to all of these resources in the description box below. Mm,
1: All good advice. This next question is how to how do I make action scenes feel non stagnant and how do you balance that? Um, we did a podcast episode a while back and we can link this too, um, which is about how to write realistic fight scenes and it works really for any type of action scene, including like high fantasy battles, anything like that, anything that has action. Um, and, and Abby and I have talked about this a lot that keeping in mind this is probably the number one thing is to keep in mind that the pace that your reader is reading at like how fast a person can read yeah so you want them to kind of see the fight like you know as quickly as they're they're reading it it.
0: right right because it's like happening in real time in your brain yes so if you like take a long time to describe like Something that's happening, then it's slowing down the pace at which you're seeing it right. in your brain, because your your brain is piecing together this imagery, right? So fast pace is always better for like an intense action scene, right. um, unless you have like this moment where like there's a pause and there's like this moment of inward reflection. There may be a time and place for that. So just like play with the pacing and see how it looks in your mind. Like if you were to read it to yourself. How quickly are you seeing the events happening in your mind? And as far as balancing how it it makes your characters feel, you want to, again, bringing the internal conflict into it. But I would say, and you and I have done this a lot in the action scenes we've written, like setting up the internal conflict and and the deeper emotional side of it before you even get into the high Mm, paid, fast-paced action. So that we already know, like the stakes are set. We don't have to hit pause to like... see every few seconds what the characters are feeling about it because we already know sort of because we've set it up at the beginning you know going right and and your
1: reader is going to remember that i think sometimes readers and and also viewers of um tv series movies if you go to like some like video clips on youtube a lot of times you'll see critiques from fans that are like you know i feel like we're being told something over and over again Stuff like that can be really helpful to break down like a scene from a movie. Watch how fast it's going by. Watch where it's delaying and watch what people are saying about it. If you see a lot of people who are like, you know, hey, I feel like this is really dragging, then observe, or if you feel like that yourself, observe what is it about this that makes it feel slowed down? And then on the other side, something that's really done well, like what makes you like that? What makes you feel good about that pacing?
0: Yeah, Exactly.
1: Studying your favorite stories, which is something we always recommend doing. Yes. Um, how do you create a cover for your book? Lots of different ways.
0: Yeah, so much. So yeah. much to unpack in that question. So- I, I want to make another updated video on it, but I do have a video on that on my channel. Um, and basically, what I would recommend for starting with book cover design is gathering ideas, like just gather either on a Pinterest board or a vision board of some kind, all the book covers that you personally feel drawn to. Um, what are some of those recurring elements? What are things about these book covers that really catch your eye? Or when you're going through a bookstore, what catches your eye? What makes you stop and look twice? Um, noticing just what interests you specifically, visually, um, is really, I would say the first step to creating a, a eye-catching, book cover but beyond that once you start gathering ideas brainstorm either with somebody another creative person that you can discuss it with or just start putting ideas together even if it's sloppy even if it's messy because when you end up working with a cover designer they will love to have source material from you they will love to have inspiration and references that they can look at to sort of have a better handle on achieving what you want to see in your book cover but i want to do a whole um live training, possibly a masterclass on this in the mm. future. So stay tuned it's for that. It's a
1: big topic. So yeah, keep your eyes peeled for that. Here's a question here. I've been stuck in the beginning of my book, rewriting basically every single line. And I feel so unmotivated, even though I have a lot of ideas for the middle and end. I haven't been really excited to write the beginning. Did you ever feel this way when you started a book? And if you did, what did you do to overcome it? Mm. Yeah. So honestly, the beginning of a book can be the hardest part. The first yeah. chapter is often the hardest part. And there's been books that I've written where I've gone back and rewritten the beginning based on how I ended the book. So sometimes, especially if you're still in the writing process, I would say, forget about the beginning for now. If yeah. you have the rest of it, write it Yeah. and then you can go back. Like, what
0: would you yes. say to that? Do you I, agree? I agree. Yeah. I think that's a good thing because sometimes like it can trip you up. You get into like this analysis paralysis about the first chapter and you're like, hi, oh, what, what if I shouldn't continue because the first chapter is bad and that can really like mess up your whole creative flow. Mm-hmm. I, I agree with what you're saying in that. Like you should just keep going. Yeah. Keep writing. Because you can change the beginning. Yeah, it might you change change can go back. back. Right, And, and you might end up actually like merging things too. Like I've done that with books before where um, I'll take like, three or four chapters and end up somehow shortening them and merging them into one chapter. And it's way more punchy and um, fast paced and interesting, but that was something that I wouldn't be able to see until the editing process. So Mm. there are some things that you don't see until the editing and revision process. And those things, you don't want those things to stop you from just writing the first draft. Right. Exactly. So
1: just if you have something in your mind and you're inspired, just write it. You can always go back. It doesn't have to be a linear process. And Abby Abby writes stuff out of linear order all the time. So yeah. it's like embrace what your process is for you. Don't feel like you need to fit a certain shape with the way you do your writing practice. Yeah. What do you usually do when you start writing a story, but then you lose motivation for it at the midway point of writing? Yeah, so that can happen and it can happen for many reasons. We talk a lot about, you know, preventing creative burnout we have a lot of episodes on that it's something abby's talked about a lot here on her channel as well and i think that's something that's really common Mm, like midway through the book um you've probably written quite a bit at this point and that's very common to feel that way yeah and i think one of the things that can help you regain like reignite that passion is to remember why you started why you started this project in the first place and to also do things to help look after yourself like make sure you're nourishing yourself creatively make sure that you're not just constantly in front of a screen until you can't stand it anymore yeah there's a lot of things that you can implement and um to really nourish your practice
0: yeah I agree. And Kate and I just did a podcast recently on five reasons why you should keep writing your book, even when you feel like giving up or seven reasons. I can't remember the number, but lots of good reasons on why you should keep writing. So check out that podcast that has a lot of good juicy motivation in it. I also just made a video over on my channel that talks a bit about like
1: something you can do, like this one piece of advice I would give to people about how to cultivate and not allow your creativity to just vaporize because of everything else that you're stressing about in your life. So that's something
0: you can check out too, if you'd like.
1: What do you think about social media as a way to get more people to know about your writing? Any suggestions on how to do that?
0: Yeah. Social media is definitely a great way to start building your author brand, start building your author career and finding your readership. So absolutely. It is a great platform to use for that. The, the thing you want to really start asking yourself and digging into is how would you be presented a book or a brand um, through social media in a way that makes you want to engage with it? So what are some things that you engage with? What are some books that you, when you see them show up in your Instagram feed or your Facebook feed or whatever, you're like, oh, I want to learn more about that. What are those common threads that show up? and make you want to go deeper? And how can you bring that same energy to what you promote about your book? So one of my favorite rules of thumb for self-promo, for book promo, is to be your own biggest fan. Like, talk about your books like you are a fan of them. And like, you're actually genuinely enthusiastic about these stories. I mean, you are, deep down. Because (laughs) that's why you're here, doing it. (laughs) You were so passionate about this book, you spent hours and hours hundreds of hours days possibly years of your life with it so you are the biggest fan of it right that's so so true bringing that energy to your social media is a great starting point let that be like the golden rule that you follow and then just get creative on ways to present your work through social media um i want to do more videos on this and possibly some master classes on it as well in the future because it's such a big topic but and That's another starting point. Yeah, definitely. And another thing
1: too, for some of you who might be like less inclined to use social media, which I totally get because I use social media very lightly. In fact, pretty much not at all. If you've been around on my channel, I don't really use social media too much except to um, post YouTube videos. But um, you can find like if if that thought is overwhelming, like, oh my gosh, building a following on social media, I wouldn't even know where to start. I don't even like doing that. I'm totally there with you. And you can find the one that works for you rather than feeling like you have to do all of them. That's a huge myth out there. Like You have to be everywhere. You have to be on all these platforms. You have to spend your entire day making content because I know a lot of you writers want to spend your day writing. (laughs) You don't want to spend your day constantly making content and blog posts and videos and, and micro content and whatever. That thought can be kind of scary, but you don't have to. You don't have to be everywhere. You can find, hmm, maybe I like making videos. Maybe I like having a blog. Maybe I like posting a photo every day. So you can really find the one that works for you and just work on funnel your energy into that one, and then it becomes far less overwhelming.
0: Yeah, I agree
1: 100%. How do you manage to stay focused on your writing? This question can go in multiple ways, like how do you stay focused on writing a specific project, or how do you stay focused when you're writing? Like there are so many distractions that's keeping you from it. Um, Right. So I think that one of the things that can help you to stay focused while you're actually writing is to identify what are the things that are pulling you away from your writing. Yeah. Um, if the answer is your children, there's probably nothing you can do about that. But if it's like apps on your phone or getting distracted by videos or getting distracted by things you don't necessarily need to be doing, yeah. then you can mitigate those distractions that you are able to mitigate. Yeah. Um, a lot of times we don't, there's like this myth that we have to be in a completely distraction-free zone in order to write and have a concentrated writing session. But really we just have to mitigate the distractions that we can take care of. Right. The other ones will not really matter that much. We're always gonna have small interruptions of some kind. Yeah. But take care of the ones that you can, like emails, notifications, phone calls that aren't important, et cetera, et cetera. You know what it is for you. It's going to be different for everybody.
0: Mm. Yeah, I agree. And as far as staying focused on one writing project at a time, I would say I am a person who gets very distracted by other writing projects. And maybe you're a person who can spin multiple plates and write multiple books at the same time. If so, do that if it works for you. If not, then I would say make sure that you do still write down your ideas and think about those other stories because it's it's not a bad thing to be excited about other stories. But as far as staying focused on the one book you're currently writing, make sure that that book is still taking priority in your mind, in, in your brainstorming sessions, and you are still channeling your best energy towards it Mm -hmm. so to speak you're still putting your best foot forward on it and focusing on it and if you feel like you need fresh inspiration for it or you just need to set it aside for a few minutes or a few days to write something else then do that give yourself the freedom to do that don't make it um a chore like i need to finish this until it is done because that that just might not work for you as as your writing process so and that's totally fine everyone's writing process is different Right, exactly. Uh, Next question. Hi, Abby and Kate. I haven't been able to write anything because I always have this mindset that my writing must be perfect in order for people to enjoy it. But I struggle to not compare myself to other writers who are better than me. How do I stop comparing myself?
1: Um, I would say the, the way to stop comparing yourself is to figure out, first of all, what is the root of that cause? What is triggering the comparison? So identify what that is. Is it you're scrolling through social media, looking at other writers, and then those thoughts of comparison are coming into your mind? Or is it when you're like physically with a group of people talking to them and you start comparing yourself to them? Maybe it's a writer group or whatever, like figure out what is that trigger? What is triggering the comparison? For me years ago, I used to have this same problem and I went to the root cause I finally woke up and realized, okay, what is causing this? This isn't just me by myself having these thoughts. This is something is causing these mm. thoughts to occur in my mind. And for me, it was scrolling through social media. So I eliminated that. I stopped doing that. I stopped going on social media. That was years ago now. And now I feel completely different about my writing. It was complete liberation almost instantaneously. Mm. And um, it will take a little while for to feel like, you know, okay, that craving to check... And like, I want to keep up with that. That'll, you know, take time to go away. But then you'll adopt this new habit of just, okay, I don't need that. I don't, right. I don't need that. So figure out what is it that's
0: triggering it and then just shut the valve off. Mm. Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, next question, how to keep the momentum of the story so the readers don't get bored. (laughs) Mm. This is, this is a big one. I mean, that's, that's a huge question. There are so many ways to do this and so many ways to answer this question. But I would say the thing that the single most thing that has helped me to keep momentum with a story is to be constantly checking in with your character's motivations. Even if this is just in your own notes to yourself, um, but find ways to weave it into your story as well. Take the time, every few chapters or a few sequences in your book, however you break it down, maybe every act of your book, um, to check in with, okay, what are the character's goals? Are they the same as they were before? Because they might not be. They might change over the course of the story. What are are the present conflicts that my character is dealing with? Is that obvious to the reader? Is it obvious that there's still conflict here? That there's still this push-pull of desire versus fear? Make these checkpoints throughout your writing process, something that helps to add fuel to the fire of your story. It helps to keep the momentum because you are not letting that deeper side of the story just fall through the cracks, right. you know, yeah. and just uh, uh, kind of be eclipsed by the plot. Yeah. So it really exactly. helps, I think, to check in with that motivation, which might change. Yeah, of like history. updating yourself on like, mm-hmm.
1: okay, at this point, what is their motivation now? Yeah. You know what I mean? So like depending on what kind of story you're writing, it might like change drastically throughout. Like let's say you're writing like an enemies to lovers romance. Well, their attitude and motivation at the very beginning is going to be drastically different than what it is midway through the story. It's going to be almost a complete about face Mm. from what their motivation was at the beginning. So like Abby's saying, check in as you go and keep track of how those motivations are changing. So it stays nice and crisp and true to the character.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: What is the best way to match my character's fear and misbelief with the plot? I want my plot to be about a boy who has grown up on the street as an orphan and a thief helping to save a kingdom. I just can't figure out how to match his fear and misbelief with that. So congruency with the plot and the character's personality, their misbelief.
0: Yeah, that's definitely something that is worth figuring out before you start writing your story. And in in your case, I would say... It's, it's hard to say because I don't know the exact fear, misbelief of your character, but there are a lot of different paths you could take with this. I would start asking yourself, why does he want to help save the kingdom? Right. Is it a selfish reason? Is it a selfless reason? If so, where did those motivations come from? Mm-hmm. Growing up on the streets as an orphan and a thief, okay, what, has that, what kind of conflicts has that created in this character? Um, what are some of his motivations? What are some of his beliefs about the world, about himself, about life. Right. <laughs> um, building all those layers to this character will help you to see like, okay, here's a logical reason for why he would do what he does. Right. Because so, we have to connect those dots. Exactly. So
1: like some good examples I like, can think of off the top of my head would be like Flynn Rider from Tangled or yeah. Dimitri from Anastasia yes. as a couple good examples of like why their conflict and their experience of growing up on the street as an orphan or whatever has influenced what they're doing now. and and why they're doing it
0: yeah like very believable actions that you can connect to their past and it's like okay well you know he's doing this for a selfish reason or he's doing this to make money or whatever right free um what is the end goal for this character and how has that been sort of incubated in the trauma of their past Mm, exactly um what are our publishing plans for the new year both
1: abby and kate are you both going to focus on publishing the series that you are co-writing? Yes. Yes. <laughs> that's what we're hoping to uh, accomplish in the new year is to start chipping away at bringing book one to you guys. Yeah, so we're,
0: we're starting to embark on the editing process of book one. So it's going to, we're going to be going through some edits, some different stages of edits and revisions and yeah, definitely going to be, Keep, keep your ear to the ground right. because we're going to be putting out some exciting content to promote that book, to get you guys excited about it. It's going to be really fun. Um, I'm looking forward just to even, even the first teasers and the first... Uh, the, the reveal of the name and the cover and yeah lots of exciting awesome. stuff. Um, yeah. So we're, we're hoping tentatively to publish at some point next year. First
1: yeah. book And if you want to stay on the insider list, as we call it, we have an email list that's literally just for exclusively for stuff about this book series that we're writing. Almost said the name of it. Yeah. <laughs> so if you want to get on the email list, you can find the link to that below and when we start like having some tangible updates to send you guys or opportunities like ARC reading and stuff mm-hmm. you guys will be the first to know. So definitely definitely sign up for the emails in the description. How do you balance out your day-to-day writing routines and avoid creative burnout and staring at a screen for too long? That second one is my nemesis. I definitely know what you mean. Like yes. take breaks from the screen. Abby and mm-hmm. I both
0: try our best. Yeah, it's it's so important especially like with preventing just headaches and back aches and all sorts of just- Eye Stagnation. Stagnation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and stagnation isn't good for your creativity either, your yeah. mental health. So I would say find, find ways to break up your day, whether that's like setting writing sprint timers um, or figuring out like, okay, when can I take a 15-minute break to go for a walk or do uh, 15 minutes of exercise? Anything that will get your eyes off the screen and allow you to just like take a breather, breathe some fresh air, and sort of come back to it with a renewed mind. You also do a lot of meditations on your channel for writers. That's another thing that you could, you know, close your eyes and do. Right. (laughs) Yeah, actually...
1: I just did one on my channel recently that's like a really quick little breath work practice. It's like five minutes to just, you know, take a pause, do some deep breathing. You can do it outside would be even better. I also have an entire course that's all about mind, body, spirit, wellness, specifically for writers. So if you're a writer who's like, I need to get out of burnout or just prevent burnout from happening, you'd probably really like, it's like a 10 day writer's retreat. And I think you'd probably get a lot out of it. It kind of just goes, I walk you through it step by step and there's four videos each day, including like nutrition a movement practice, a meditation and a motivational talk. So it kind of covers everything. So that is below if you're interested.
0: Uh, Next question, how to get into the mindset of the character and start thinking like the characters that I've written on the paper so that I'll know exactly what they're going through and what to do next and how the story will unfold. So really embodying your character and stepping into their skin is something that helps you so much in the writing process and the brainstorming process as well. Um, I would say just start doing things that your character would do. <laughs> like even if that's activities, obviously they, you know, if if it's a productive activity. <laughs> Didn't we talk about this recently or you did in a video? <laughs> yes, yeah. I, did, I made a video on how to write characters who aren't like you. Right, that's um, what it was. Which which this this would apply to. So check out that video mm. if you haven't seen it already because in that video I talk about just some hacks. Some of them sound kind of crazy, but they work. Um, yeah, they do. To really step into your character's shoes, including like dressing like them, listening to the music they listen to or that reminds you of them, um, trying some of the activities and hobbies that they do. Um, will put you more in that frame of mind, but also just like thinking about and ruminating on their internal conflict, how they see the world, how their beliefs have shaped their reality. Um, And what are some of those things that make their day-to-day life unique because of their perspective? Um, And one exercise that could even help with this is just writing journal entries for your character even if you never use them if you feel like i really need to sink my teeth into who this character is what they think about what how they see the world maybe just write like some very basic internal thoughts that they might write into a diary and writing it from their perspective will help you to sink into their their point of view and how Mm. they see the world and what they believe and how those beliefs translate over into their everyday life Mm, yeah very
1: very much so all those things are so helpful. Um, so our last question is, how do you come to the conclusion that, this is a great question, that your revising and editing is finally finished so you don't end up rewriting the same story over and over for eternity? I, I feel that in my soul. <laughs> I, think we, I think so many of us right now are probably laughing as I'm reading that because it's like, yes, this is very relatable. Mm-hmm. It's like, you could edit a thing forever yeah. and <laughs> you're not necessarily making it better. Like let this thought liberate you. You're not necessarily making it better. You're just making it different. Yeah, true. Right? So that can really liberate you from the idea of like, oh, but it would be better if I just did this, but it would be better if I just did it one more time. It'd be better if I just revised it one more time. Mm-hmm. It would just make it different. There yeah. does come a time when it's like, nope, you know, this is good good this is good this is solid and it's it's ready to be released into the wild
0: now and yeah it and might it, not be perfect yes but it will be you should be proud of it
1: yes exactly and perfection like we always talk about is so subjective yeah that like you can right. let go of that idea we're what we're not trying to achieve is perfection here we're just trying to achieve that you feel Like deep in your core, a sense of contentment with what you've Mm. created and it's time to let it go now. And if you're someone who struggles with feeling really over analytical and you have a hard time, like feeling comfortable with like, okay, do I feel that? Is it done? You're struggling with that. Ask someone you really trust. Mm -hmm. Abby always talks about this. Have a couple beta readers that you really trust. Someone who, um, has your, has, you know, your best intentions at heart, Mm -hmm who wants to see you succeed with this book ask them to read it and let them ask them what their opinion is and if yeah. they tell you like hey you really should stop editing it it's great then trust them give yourself permission to trust them and and let it go
0: yeah i agree 100 percent. that's great advice <laughs> So thank you guys so much for all the questions we've answered as many as we could on this episode today. And we hope that this advice has helped inspire you, encourage you and fuel your creative fire going into the next year, going into the new year. Can't believe that it's the end of the year already, but Kate and I have so valued and appreciated your support of the podcast throughout this year. And we're really excited for the coming year because we have lots of new episodes of the podcast planned lots oh, yeah. of new ideas and this new book series that's coming out so it's gonna be exciting really excited for all the things yeah, yet to come so exciting thank you guys so much for listening join the discussion below comment below tell us if we answered your question today join the discussion we'd love to hear from you guys and we'd love to hear about your new year's projects what are you, what are you planning to write in 2024 i can't believe it's gonna be 2024 already it's crazy. It's amazing. <laughs> But thank you guys so much for watching and listening. If you enjoy this podcast and you get value out of it, go to patreon.com slash the Kate and Abby show to help us keep this show alive and free of interruptions. And until next time, stay stoked and rock on.